Bishop Ryan Catholic School is dedicated to serving God and his children by laying the foundation for lasting happiness through education and virtue. Together with our parents, we're raising his lions. Here's Father Jada Nelson. Welcome back to Raising His Lions. I'm Father Jaden Nelson. Uh, today is the first episode of our uh, new school year and our new season of doing this podcast. It's great to be back. Um, I'm joined with uh, by Father Wolf today. How are you today, Father? Good. It's good to be with you and uh, excited to get this uh, school year going in full force here. Wonderful. Okay, so let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is our prayer that we've been praying for our campus master plan process. Come Holy Spirit, as you came on the day of Pentecost, fill our hearts with your love. In your divine providence, you ensure that the works of those who love you attain the purpose you've set for them. Give success to the work of our hands. Equip us with wisdom to clearly see the role Bishop Ryan Catholic School plays in your plan for our city. Inspire us with the generosity of saints that we may carry out our mission with confident trust that you will supply everything we need along the way. Grant us courage to face difficulties with hope in your assistance and the willingness to embrace sacrifice for love of you. O Spirit of truth, remind us frequently of your words in the Psalm of David. If the Lord does not build the house, those who construct it labor in vain. If the Lord does not guard the city, those who keep watch over it do so in vain. It is useless for you to rise earlier and delay taking your rest at night, toiling relentlessly for the bread you eat. For while those he loves sleep, he provides all of this for them. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, I think I want to start today with our... Our vital virtue is docility. Docility is the willingness to be taught. And the opposing traits are being stubborn, inflexible, and proudly set in one's ways. Ways to cultivate it are to listen to others and to be willing to follow directions. Thanking others for rightful corrections, or what we would call fraternal correction. Uh, Docility um, is part of the virtue of prudence. Uh, I, I never tire of... Um, recounting the the story of my professor in seminary talking about prudence who said stupid people learn from experience smart people learn from other people's experiences Uh, and so obviously there is a role for our own experience to teach us but prudence and in particular the virtue of docility which falls underneath it says there's a better way than learning everything on my own there are people smarter than me in the world, people who have had experiences that I don't need to have uh, or that have had experiences that I do need to have. And I should be desirous of listening to those who are wise. Uh, and so in school, obviously, we want to cultivate docility uh, in our students, in our kids. But as parents, I think we also need to recognize the importance of docility in our own lives. Ultimately, Uh, Jesus is the great teacher. Uh, The Holy Spirit is the great spiritual director. Uh, And we should be constantly uh, looking to God for his wisdom and being docile in uh, our response to what God shows us to be 
the best way to live our lives and the truth about it. So docility, everybody, very important. Uh, that's this uh, week's vital virtue. So as we get kicked off today, before we get talking uh, about responsibility-centered discipline, which is what I want to talk about with Father Brandon in particular, just some housekeeping notes. Uh, first, uh, BlackBod, everyone. Um, we have been going back and forth with the people at BlackBod, uh, trying to get out of our contract with them. We feel that what we were uh, sold and what was presented to us in the process of the decision to making the decision to um, switch over to the BlackBod K-12 learning management and SIS, um, that we were not given uh, all of the important information about how that would function practically with communication in particular with parents and uh, others. Uh, one of the things that we thought was going to be um, a great tool for us and an improvement, in fact, turned out to be a very difficult and um, a, a big negative uh, with regard to that system. Uh, there are a host of other issues as well, but um, basically we made the decision that um, we are going back to facts, obviously, uh, Facts Renweb is what we have been using here. It's not perfect, but it is much more functional for what we need right now to uh, make sure that our kids and our teachers are having uh, the experience that they need in the school and doing the basics um, uh, really well in terms of communication and uh, being able to communicate grades and all of these kinds of things. So uh, we are going back to Facts Renweb. Uh, the details of um, when we would go back to facts, uh, tuition management, probably not this year uh, since we've already paid for this year um, with BlackBot and everybody's up and running with that with tuition management. So I don't expect to go back to facts tuition management, uh, but we are up and running with facts for uh, student information. And so uh, I appreciate everybody's flexibility with that. Uh, was really disappointed in the way that all of this uh, rolled out. Um, in the implementation and ultimately we had to abandon that project. So um, that's what's going on with BlackBot and RenWeb. And uh, I wanted to also touch upon our campus master plan. Everybody save your date uh, of September 27th. It's a Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Uh, in the main gym, I will be uh, rolling out along with our school board and others the results of our campus master plan process and what our next steps are going to be. Uh, very important time for us here at Bishop Ryan, the future of the school uh, in terms of facilities and growth and all of the things that go along with that uh, will be discussed at that time. Uh, it's been a very fruitful campus master planning process, uh, and, but now we, uh, we've clarified, I think, the direction forward and uh, we have to roll up our sleeves and, and figure out um, how God wants us to get this done. Uh, because obviously everything needs to be guided by God's providence. So um, campus master plan rollout and wrap up uh, will be Wednesday, September 27th at 7.30 p.m. here at Bishop Bryan. I encourage everybody to come and uh, bring whoever you think is going to be interested in hearing about this process and being involved going forward. Finally, uh, in the, the meat of what I want to talk about today is... Uh, one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of the year in my meeting with uh, parents after the Back to School barbecue was just our administrative structure, our organizational chart, uh, 
last year we redid our organizational chart with it in terms of administration. Some job descriptions changed a little bit. Uh, we went to a single principal model with some uh, vice presidents or some deans or uh, vice president wouldn't be the right word, but some deans underneath uh, the principal and some support staff underneath the principal as um, kind of directors of their their categories of their their places in the school. And so just to give a quick rundown of how the authority structure, how the org chart looks for Bishop Ryan. This is a diocesan school. Uh, it is um, Catholic and the bishop is the president of our board. Uh, with him serve uh, as voting directors, five lay members. Our lay members this year are Mike Christensen, who is the vice chair of the board, Katie Schaefer, who is the secretary treasurer, and then we have Mary Pro, Tad DeMars, and um, who am I missing? Lindsey Wald. Uh, those are our five lay voting directors. Then we also have uh, our clergy, our pastors, so Father Adam Mouse, Father uh, Todd Kreidinger, Father Ken Phillips, and Father David Richter, our voting directors on the board, as well as our chaplain, Father Degley. Um, so Father Degley is in a, in a unique situation as chaplain because he is a voting director on the board and answers directly to the bishop in terms of matters dealing with religious formation. Uh, but he's also a teacher in the school and then as teacher would fall underneath uh, the principal with the other teachers in the school. Uh, I answer uh, directly to the board of directors and underneath me, then I kind of have my top line directors. I have our principal, obviously, Mrs. Steckler, who's my closest collaborator. Uh, she's the educational expert. She's the one who um, really manages the the day-to-day -day affairs for um, education and then we have our business manager our head uh, cook Jan Junt in the kitchen our secretaries our director of enrollment and communications Jamie our director of mission advancement Katie Denny and her um, helper uh, Kristen Klein in the advancement office Bobby our director of technology and Nolan Schmitz our head custodian now, in terms of education, underneath our principal, Mrs. Steckler, you have Miss, uh, Mrs. Bryans, Dr. Bryans, our Dean of Academics, and uh, Father Wolf, our Dean of Students, along with um, Cole Edwards, our Director of Activities, our School Counselor, Tracy Barnes, our Librarian and uh, RTI person, uh, Mrs. Barb Johnson, and then our Special Education Strategist, Shannon Schmidt. So those are kind of like the next tier of administrative support staff, uh, but I want to focus on two people, Dean of Academics and Dean of Students. So when we're dealing with things that deal with grades, with schedules, with college and career planning, with standardized testing, uh, basically our academic um, programming, our first point of contact beyond the teacher in the classroom is um, Dr. Bryans as the Dean of Academics. She uh, works very closely with uh, 
Mrs. Steckler in running our academic programming, okay? Our Dean of Students, Father Wolf, works very closely again with Mrs. Steckler, but he would be the one who's in charge of what we call human formation in the school. Okay, human formation is another way of talking about moral virtue, uh, discipline, behavior, uh, becoming virtuous, right? And so if our mission is to educate children in virtue, human formation is a huge part of what we're trying to accomplish, which means we're trying to inculcate and foster within students an understanding of themselves that uh, corresponds with what God made them to be, what the the what excellence, human excellence looks like, what holiness looks like, and to support them with the discipline and the behavioral supports necessary to help them overcome uh, what we're all uh, subject to, which is imperfection, uh, sinfulness, um, ignorance, and concupiscence. Uh, you know, the desire to take the easy way out and to, to live in mediocrity or even vice rather than virtue. Uh, so we want to unlock the potential, the God-given potential that is in the heart of every one of our students through human formation so that they become capable of a life well-lived, which ultimately is the foundation for happiness. So uh, Father Wolf is supporting our kids that way. He supports our teachers in terms of uh, what the expectations are in the classrooms and how to work with kids um, when it's not an academic issue specifically, but behavioral or disciplinary uh, in order to help them succeed. So, uh, Father Wolf, um, why don't we just begin by talking a little bit about uh, how you, what your perspective is on human formation and then in particular, we're in year two of Responsibility-Centered Discipline. Uh, what this program is, why you think it's important, and uh, we, can, we can go from there. Okay, sure. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Um, so just in general, talking about human formation first and foremost, and I've, I've told this story before, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, before going to seminary and uh, having a, a wonderful uh, moral class, morals class with uh, Father Geertek uh, of fond uh, remembrance in his classroom, uh, just an excellent teacher. I had thought that things within the church and outside of the church, everything simply revolved around just strict obedience. And that that was something that was subjective to the person who had the power or the authority uh, to make you have to obey, just plain and simple. And I, like the vast majority of us who've been teenagers and young 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and even, you know, hey, I'm, I'm 39 and uh, I can see myself still where I rail against and my tendency is to want to rebel uh, against. That's that con concupiscence that Father Nelson's talking about against just what I perceive to be pure authority sometimes. Now, uh, that leads to a lot of heartache and it leads to uh, a lot of butting heads with people. And frequently, uh, everything can then be boiled down to who has the most power, who can yell the loudest, or uh, who has the most followers. Mm -hmm. And that leads not to a freedom uh, within ourselves, but it leads ultimately to uh, slavery. Uh, slavery to these things that are going to control us. And I'm not talking about the things on the outside. I'm talking about the things on the inside, like our anger, um, things like sadness, fear. Those are the things that we become slaves to. And it makes life 
very unbearable. What Father Geertek had taught and what I had first learned from him was what the church and how the church understands uh, what uh, human formation is about. It's about virtue. And so I would learn this thing called virtue ethics. And virtue ethics basically states that we have been created in a certain particular way uh, to become fully human by God, the God who has created us, the God who has loved us. And the more that we are willing uh, to seek out and to try to grow in these virtues, the greater freedom we will have in this life and the less uh, outside you know, forces. It's not about simply strict power and obedience when it comes to these things. And so hopefully you know, what we're wanting is to set up a school in which uh, virtue is something that is desirous of every individual. Now, this is not just students. This is me. This is uh, all of our administration, our faculty, right? And we were wanting everyone uh, to be able to enact the virtues of faith, hope, and charity, of prudence and justice and fortitude, right? Moderation. We want to be able to do these things. Why? Not because we're told to, right? Not just because somebody is more powerful than me trying to, but because we have seen and we know that we've been created in a particular way by God. And these are the things that help us to understand what true freedom is. And it's the ways in which that we can then interact with him and with our neighbors uh, in the best way possible to make God visible here on earth, <laughs> really is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so as part of that, one of the things that had happened when I was working at uh, my previous school, uh, school system, Light of Christ in Bismarck, uh, they had welcomed in uh, Gerald Vetter, who's the president down there, the superintendent down there of Light of Christ Schools. Uh, he had brought in this man named Larry Thompson. And Larry Thompson is an extremely experienced educator, uh, both as a teacher and as principal. And he has worked uh, in many different types of schools, including the very toughest, the absolute toughest, the, the end of the line for many students, even so much as working in prisons and those types of things. And in the midst of all of this, uh, because he cares very much uh, for the kids, as I believe, we all do here. And uh, because he wanted the students to know that when he's having an interaction with them, something regarding discipline, he was hoping uh, that he could show them that it's not a me against you type thing. He wanted to be able to help to lift them up. And he wanted to be able to help them to see and to understand both himself and the student where each other was coming from and what the understanding of the situation was, okay? So, took a little time. He comes up with this process uh, called uh, RCD, which is Responsibility-Centered Discipline, okay? So, within this, there are a, a few different things that I would like to go over today, but just as a general understanding, just as a general understanding, This is different than what we have frequently and what is often taught and has been taught for many years uh, in many different educational systems 
And I would argue, okay, granted, I haven't spent a lot of time in college in the educational field, but having worked in many schools and talked to many teachers and different many schools, it has not been very effective. And I think if you look at schools around the nation right now, what the traditional model is, is not working. And there's a lot of very unhappy students uh, and a lot of very unhappy uh, families right now. Well, and just chaos. Just, and, yep, right, and, exactly. And a lack of any kind of standard. <clears throat> right. um, I mean, I am, I have been involved in education for a long time now, um, you know, not only through my, you know, time here at Bishop Ryan, but just intellectually, um, you know, going through the master's program and, uh, you know, being a collaborator with other educators and seeing what's going on. And I can tell you that um, discipline is not something that's talked about um, in most educational um, experiences uh, of, of higher ed. Uh, most college courses, they're not talking about discipline because discipline uh, in, discipline implicitly requires a standard of behavior that um, is idealized. And one of the things that modern educational theory uh, has stayed away from is a, a, any kind of idealization of what good human behavior looks like. Basically, it's the lowest common denominator approach to behavior, which is um, maximum amount of freedom uh, and maximum amount of um, personal uh, determination of what is good and what is not. Uh, there is no overarching culture that is trying to be given to kids. It, kids are, are basically given the maximum amount of freedom to express themselves in whatever way that they want, uh, intellectually and behaviorally. Uh, it's, a, it's a very um, laissez-faire approach to education versus the Christian notion of education, which is based upon Greek paideia, which is that we're trying to hand on a culture that is ordered towards something greater than the individual. Um, and so, you know, ethics in terms of uh, the approach to, to student behavior in uh, the university setting is, um, you know, is it disruptive of the classroom? Yes or no? Okay. Uh, is it um, impeding or impinging upon the rights of other be human beings? Um, you know, so justice would be uh, like the one virtue that they would talk about from the, from the perspective of um your will can't impose on somebody else's will. But that's a very that's a very vague and very lowest common denominator approach to um, behavior because it doesn't actually point out what we ought to do in any way, shape, or form. It just basically says these are the limits because when you go beyond this limit, uh, it directly interferes with somebody else's right to express themselves in a particular way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that this is, this is different than what um, most other uh, approaches to discipline are, are all about. Yeah, so uh, as a consequence uh, to not really having any sort of thing to shoot for as far as being true or good or beautiful, um, if there's nothing there to teach other than simply don't do that and a teacher or an administrator does not have the resources 
uh, to be able to work through that with the student to, to teach, right? Uh, what happens, and we, we've all had this experience, I had this experience in high school, uh, frequently the teachers or administration are gonna turn to simply time-based consequences, right? So, uh, okay, you go sit out in the hall, um, if you speak up or whatever, gonna give you detention next time, and there's never uh, any sort of a conversation around it. It's just either do this or else. And we want to move away from that. We want to enter into a conversation. We want to be able to build better and stronger relationships and to understand where each other are coming from. Okay, now, does this mean that there are not ever any consequences of any sort? No, but they should be of the natural type where um, if I wanna play, uh, pretend like I'm sick, you know, from work or whatever, there's a natural consequence to that, that, you know, maybe I lose a sick day or maybe I don't get paid for that day. There's a natural consequence to that. It's the same thing that we want to try to teach our students. Now, <clears throat> the way that we do that, what the biggest tool that we have that we're trying to, all of us uh, here at the school are trying to learn to use well. And I, uh, started, like I said, learning uh, about this. And the reason why I wanted and asked if it would be something that would be possible to maybe bring here is because this really is in a more common language or more secular language. Basically, what Larry is trying to teach is virtue ethics, that for any real growth in the human person that has got to come from inside the individual and it cannot be forced upon from the outside. And so we each have a choice when presented with the truth to live up to that or not. And so to be driven, to be motivated, any of those things, I cannot force a student to do that. It just is not going to work. So how do we teach them how to have this interior motivation, this interior drive? Well, it requires a lot of conversation and it requires a lot of, of speaking with each other. So to guide the conversation, Larry has set up a very simple thing. It's called give them five. So if you give them five, we're talking about, and we have, um, if you go onto their website, if you wanna look, there's a lot of incredible videos on there. If you wanna understand this deeper, it's the website is giveem5.com, giveem5.com. That's G-I-V-E-M-F-I-V-E.com, okay? The five are support, expectation, breakdown, benefit, and closure. So what does that mean? Firstly, uh, with the support, using supportive statements that connect to your relationship with the student or identify a strength that he or she possesses. Okay, so within this process, here at Bishop Ryan, even if uh, things are a struggle or whatever, we are trying to teach each student, look, you have gifts. We're just asking you, right, to be able to use the gifts and the strengths that you have mm -hmm. for the, your benefit and for the benefit of the school ultimately, which sometimes is a sacrifice, but is ultimately an act of charity. Mm -hmm. So when we're approaching the student, we want them to understand this is not me versus you. This is us working together yeah. to make your life as good as possible. And acting, acting in accord with the standard is good for you. There's a benefit to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, on a, on a basic level, like that's the, that is the, the promise of virtue ethics is that 
virtue is good for you, vice is not good for you. Whether you like vice or not, or hate virtue, just because you love the vice doesn't mean it's good for you. It's not. Just because you think the vice is okay doesn't make it okay. Mm -hmm. It's actually bad for you, even if you don't think there's anything wrong with it. And so with, um, with the standard, and one of, this is one of the things I love so much about this approach, is that um, it really is not, like you were saying, like there's this tendency it, without the standard being expressed in terms of a benefit, uh, it can become a power struggle. It can become a, well, you're in position of authority, therefore you're imposing your will on mine. But it's not because there's any intrinsic benefit to meeting the standard. It's just because that's what you've decided. And that's not that's not the approach here. We believe that, because um, we, we didn't make up our standard of um, behavior here in terms of what we've expected or expect of our kids. It's based upon... Aristotelian, Thomistic, virtue ethics, and the Bible. Right. And and it's hard, right, if in a particular culture, so even in our wider culture, but also in schools, whether here or in Bismarck or in Dickinson, I don't care. I don't care if you're a Catholic school or not. When you've been accustomed to a certain way of things happening and you try to enter into these conversations, I think the natural reaction is going to be, well, it's me versus you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because that's how it is. You have the authority. You have the power. You're trying to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look, I do have some authority because mm-hmm. I'm here. But I want to use this authority to be able to help you, yeah. right? I have this authority because hopefully, even though I fall short and I'm imperfect, I have something to share with you. Right. Exactly. I have some wisdom to give you. Yep. And so, um, and that can be hard uh, right away because we're not used to to that. So if any time it happened a lot last year where I'd want to be talking to a student and they're like worried they're in trouble, I'm not trying to give you detention. I'm not yep. interested in that. Right. I want to understand the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not, I am not in any way, shape or form trying to belittle you or put you down right. or make you less than. I want you to understand the great power that you have within you and I want to know okay as we go through this so we'll let's just keep going okay, through this yep. so we don't get off so uh, support is one aspect of the given five another is the expectation so that we can let the student know the expectation that they would have say in a class or at an assembly or whatever so sometimes what can happen right is miscommunication and so we want to be able to close off those lines of miscommunication and sometimes uh, a student can either forget or maybe they truly didn't hear. It's amazing. At the beginning of the year, sometimes uh, as things are being laid out, some students are, don't make it to everything because there's a lot of stuff going on. And there were many times where I'd be like, hey, do you remember when we you know, talked about this, that, or that? Actually, no, I, I don't, Father. I, uh, when did you talk about that? Well, at our assembly at the beginning. I wasn't here for that. We were, you know, just getting back to town or, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, cool, right? So there's a complete misunderstanding there. And so we can just, it just, it becomes a non-issue. And it's right. like, okay, that's okay. Cool. Thanks for having a conversation. We'll talk to you later. You know what the expectation is now? I'm not worried. Yeah. And it's all good, right? And, and they're not bucking the expectation. Yeah. They, what? They're not doing anything intentional. And so we want to yeah. make sure that we have our, our expectations laid out. And we try to do the best we can. Look, this is brand new. Um, for RCD... Uh, we started this um, last 
winter because of just the way things worked out, which is not ideal, but we wanted to get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. So we are into technically our second year, but we're not even a full year into this yet. Mm -hmm. And for RCD, uh, according to like Larry and, and just the RCD team, uh, you wouldn't be considered uh, like fully trained and wouldn't the expectation wouldn't be that, you know, administration, teachers and everybody is like fully has at least a good grasp until after about three years, at which point perhaps you could become a charter school to help other schools in the region if they like this. And there are other schools in our region, not just Catholic schools, who are recognizing uh, how good this is. I know, I, I think it's Stanley, don't quote me on that, but there are other uh, schools in the region who are seeing the benefit of this and it's working. The, the number of, if you go online and you check out the Give Them Five uh, website, it, you're gonna see all over the nation the number of referrals in school suspensions, uh, detentions, just that are happening are being cut in half or more. 70% some places, 80% in some places. Now, part we don't have that issue, I yeah. don't think. The point for us is not to have less kids. Look, I think we have the best kids, <laughs> if not in the region, in the state, right? Maybe in the country. I don't know. We've got good kids. But uh, we want to use it to be able to expound upon the virtue that's already being learned by our students and is already being shown by our students. So a lot of the things that we're working on, remember I said Larry developed this in very like crazy situations. Uh, we are not using it for that. We are using it to try to bring uh, our students and our community to a level of true Christian excellence, mm -hmm. um, to a place where, um, and I mentioned this to the students the other day, um, guys, I firmly believe, and telling, speaking specifically to the seniors, that when you leave this school, you're going to be the type of person, because I believe Bishop Ryan will have the reputation, uh, you're going to be the type of person that colleges are going to seek out and uh, employers are going to seek out. Not because you're the smartest, perhaps, or because you have the greatest academics or you're the best at sports or whatever, but you are the type of person mm -hmm. that other people want around and want to build their companies around and want to build their schools around. That's what we're trying to do with this. Yeah, it's already happening. Um, I, and, I mean, I know that um, Jerome Richter uh, down at the University of Mary uh, has had nothing but praise for um, our graduates that go to the University of Mary and that many of them have entered into positions of leadership uh, at the University of Mary working there uh, or have uh, have you know excelled to a point where they were receiving you know recognition and uh, in, in being involved in a level that was you know beyond that of their peers so it's already happening um, you can see it in in what's going on with um, our, uh, with our, our graduates. Uh, one of the last things that I think is really important to just mention to um, parents about this, that you kind of talked about detention. Um, there, it, the, One of the key factors in RCD is that there is no timing out of your discipline. So it's not that we do not discipline from a perspective of like, you serve detention and then you once you're done serving your detention, like you go on your way as if nothing existed or nothing happened because time doesn't remedy 
one's understanding of what happened that got you into that position in the first place and it doesn't it doesn't show any kind of conversion of mind or heart around one's behavior that got you into a position where you had to go see father wolf in a in a serious way um, for disrupting class or whatever and so at the heart of rcd it's also even though it's very conversational and very much about supporting kids it's also like you don't get to do whatever you want, pay your time, and then go back and continue your behaviors. Right. It's not a it's not a penitentiary, right? We yeah. want this to be a school, a place yeah. of learning and not so just to, to get to that point, Father, I just wanna so we have support and expectation. There's a breakdown. And so this is so that the student can understand this is what I as an educator saw and this is the reason why I'm talking to you. I want to make sure that that's clear to you and give the student a chance to respond and, and, and uh, to that, um, to the breakdown of what's happening there. Then it's incumbent, uh, because we're talking about it's not just merely uh, obedience authority, what is the benefit? And so there's an expectation for administration, for teachers to tell the student, right, how meeting this expectation uh, benefits that individual, mm -hmm. okay? And then also at the end would be closure. Now this is determined on uh, the student. And so if the student wants to and is able to accept and to, to see uh, where the teacher is coming from and the reason why just having this conversation, um, if that can come to a resolution and the student uh, is understanding of that, uh, great, no worries, no reason to leave the, the classroom, mm -hmm. right? And so, I mean, something that could happen uh, that you might you know, hear or see, and this depends on for the little ones, it looks different, you know, in kindergarten than it would uh, for a junior or senior. Uh, in kindergarten, uh, hey, look, if a student is just too upset to talk, that's okay. There's no reason to uh, have to have them say, you know, quote unquote, get in trouble and go to the principal's office, mm -hmm. right? Just give them a little bit of time. So maybe they have a mat that they can go to to relax. Right. And then when they're ready to talk, the teacher can talk. So it looks different for the little ones, you know, K through mm -hmm. three, four, whatever. Mm -hmm. For the older ones, it can be something simple as uh, because we've all had rough days. It ain't just the students. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed before. We all have done it. OK. And so maybe it's the type of thing where, OK, we just need a breather. Uh, so you go ahead and do whatever you need to do. Uh, sit and desk. Well, we can meet up either at the end of class or if uh, other kids are working on other things, right, we can just have a private conversation. Or uh, what can happen sometimes is if class gets really busy and teachers are trying to teach things and students are trying to learn things, if uh, it's necessary, hey, let's just talk five minutes right after school. That is, it's not a detention though. That is, this is very important. Mm -hmm. Detention is just simply like, Okay, I don't want to have to pay attention to you. And instead of talking to you, I just want you to go 30 minutes, do this, and then we'll see what happens tomorrow. No, this is a give them five conversation. I care about you, right? You have these things. Where, where are we miscommunicating here? And, and explain to me how this is hard. Now, sometimes students do have a hard time. And they really don't maybe have the tools necessary to meet uh, the expectation at this time, but that doesn't mean that it's not uh, available within themselves to do that. If that happens, right, and you can't come to closure uh, with a teacher on a particular understanding, that's when they would come to me. And this is where Father Nelson is talking about uh, it's not strictly time-based. That means 
Uh, it's not 30 minutes. It's not 45 minutes. Uh, there's no set time. If sometimes maybe it just, uh, uh, if everybody kind of is able to cool down, it can happen really quick. And there's a deeper understanding that could happen in 10 minutes. Yeah. It can totally happen in that amount of time. But um, until we're able to get to a place where things are, you know, understood and the reason why expectations are what they are, the reason why the benefits uh, to the student are what they are, there's uh, what RCD calls uh, a time of solution, okay? And so that's where um, typically I would come in. And the goal is, is to sit down and have a conversation. I get as much information as I can about uh, what is happening. And so what can happen is, is just simply uh, a student doesn't have the tools yet necessary to do that. It doesn't mean that uh, a student is trying to in, you know, purposefully be uh, difficult in a situation. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, something that has happened at another school, a thing that Larry would talk about is uh, a, a kid like fourth, fifth grader, um, whatever, uh, constantly struggled to walk in line as they're going through the school as a class. And the teacher just could not get the student uh, to do that. And so they kept, you know, repeatedly kept coming to an impasse. And so they had the student come in and like, do you understand all of these things? You know, the reasons why we have you stand in line and get, doing a give them five. And uh, students like, uh, well, I think so, but I, I just struggle. Like I can't, you know, mm -hmm. uh, keep myself uh, where I need to be. And they're like, well, okay. So what would be something? Now this is where this, this is a solution comes into play. And this kid, young kid, okay, we're not talking about a high schooler. We're not talking about a middle schooler. Like students have this capacity within them. Uh, comes up with a solution that he has these buttons at home that he likes to play with, right? And so, well, what if I brought these buttons with and could I maybe like fidget with them or whatever? It's like, okay, sure. So long as we're not being distracting to the other students. Students like, well, if I keep them in my pocket and I just fiddle with them, that helps me. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Why don't you try that out? Hey, look, was there ever maybe some off days? Sure. But what you would notice is this kid, he's always walking around with his hands in his pocket, but he's in line and he's playing with his buttons, mm -hmm. you know. And so it's that type of a thing that we're wanting to get to a place where if a student just simply needs, uh, you know, whatever it is that helps to keep them on task or meet whatever the expectation is, we want the student to be able to come up with that. Because if the teacher comes up with it or if I come up with it, then it's just another thing where it's me trying to exert my yeah. power upon them. And it just does not work. And so what we're wanting is, is when a student goes home at night, um, instead of thinking like this teacher's unfair, they never listened to me or this thing, we, we call them exits are happening. We want when that student goes home to be like, Hey man, I can handle this. Like, I can do things. Yeah. I, I'm smart, you know, like I can figure these things out. So we put the emphasis is on the student to help with this. Now, sometimes that takes some time. Yep. And that may, it, that may, may mean that they have to uh, relax, think about it for a little bit. It could be an hour. Mm -hmm. It could be two hours, but we don't want them it could outside. Be, it could be two days. It could be, right? It could be. But we don't want them outside of the standard school day. Uh, having other things placed upon them that are, wouldn't be natural, like 
repercussions, right? Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be natural um, um, consequences. consequences to you know what that would be. A natural consequence, if I'm not, if I'm struggling to remain in class, right, or if I'm struggling to not distract a class or whatever, a natural consequence of that is to to you know give my classmates the freedom so that they can learn in those types of things, mm-hmm. right? And so until I'm able to figure out a way to do that, a natural consequence is I'm away from them for a little bit, right? Another natural until, consequence. Until it's figured out. Right, until it's figured out. And another consequence of that then is like, well, I'm missing instruction time. Yep. And that's a big deal, you know? And I think uh, being able to learn from my teacher and, and these types of things and uh, the initial reaction I think from uh, teachers uh, and administration, right? and when I first heard this, was like, "Dude, what if they don't come up with a plan right away? This could take a long time, you know." And Larry was like, "Hey, that's true, but here's the deal: if a student is able to truly figure this out, and he's seen it multiple times, if a student is truly able to figure it out, how it is." Uh, that they can support themselves, that they can ask for support in these types of situations. Guess how much time uh, they're missing for the rest of their school year or the rest of their life at the school? Right. Zero. Yeah. Right? And so it could be, okay, you could have detention 30 minutes at a time for four years of high school, multiple times in a month or whatever. Well, that's who wants to do that? And the behavior's not fixed. The behavior's not fixed. The student feels like they're being attacked. The teachers feel like they're not being supported. Yeah. And uh, parents are being bothered with phone calls and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Or we could take some time, allow the student a little bit of space to kind of think out you know, how best can they interact within the environment in which they are yeah. to benefit both, you know, obviously them, but also, you know, everybody else. And then, hey, I learned a new skill. Yep. That's what we want. A they're, learning of a new skill. They're in the driver's skill. seat. Right. And so the responsibility, that's why Larry calls it responsibility-based discipline. Yeah. So that the teacher is not the one left holding the bag or the administrator or the parents or whoever. It's incumbent on the student for their own responsibility to become responsible. Correct. And so that is a a quick overview. I highly encourage you um, if you're wondering and if you like kind of like how this sounds just as a just as an FYI, there are other resources on their website. And so on there, there's a Roadmap to Responsibility book. It's called The Power of Giving Five to Transform Schools. We give that to each of our teachers if you're wondering. Uh, all of our teachers should have that. And then they also, though, Larry, uh, set one up for families. And it's called Roadmap to Responsibility, The Power of Giving Five to Transform Families. Um, and so we do have hard copies of those available here in the school. If you would be interested, just come into the office. We do have some of those. Yeah, I think they're 20 bucks. 20 bucks? I think that's what they are. Okay. And I don't know what they are online, but I think it was cheaper for us to buy in bulk um, and have them rather, I think that's how it was. And then there's one other one called the Web Remix, Closing the Exits Off the Road to Responsibility. And there's some other stuff there as well. There's a few other things. But uh, to check that out, uh, we have only scratched the surface of this, right? But um, just so that you have a general understanding um, of, of the direction we're trying to go. And remember, this is not, um, 
just simply, oh, we found this one thing that maybe kind of seems to work. No, this was chosen because it works specifically uh, with virtue ethics uh, that has been given to us by the church through uh, ultimately the revelation of God Mm -hmm. of how we have been created and made. And we are hoping that this builds uh, relationships, that this builds community, and uh, we can hopefully get uh, students to see. My greatest desire, uh, whenever I talk to a student, when they leave that office, is that Father Wolf was not trying to fight me. Father Wolf is not trying to control me. Father Wolf is trying to help me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's the reality. That's the ultimate reality. care deeply and all of our teachers here care deeply and we're all trying to learn the best way how we can show that care even in the most difficult of situations and that's the hard part right Uh, parents you know this better uh, than anyone right when it comes to love true love um, it's not always the flowers and the hearts and the candies Sometimes it's the real struggle. It's the cross, doing the difficult things that we don't like to do, uh, but we do it out of love to make, hopefully, uh, others better and to give others, you know, uh, the best that we can. And so, um, yeah, anyways, I guess that that's just kind of a, like I said, Father, a quick overview. Quick 48-minute overview, everybody. Yeah. Um, no, thank you for being here. I think that really helps uh, parents understand kind of where we're coming from what the process is uh and so behavioral things uh we start in the classroom uh and we want to work it out between teacher and student if the student is not um seeing things uh in terms of uh the expectation it may come to a point where they are referred out They will come see Father Brandon. Father Brandon then speaks with the teacher, gathers the information, and gets into a solutions process. And I want to reiterate real quick, this is not taught in the university. This is not the type of thing that teachers are equipped with. So while I value very much, obviously working at a school, I very much value education. I very much value wisdom and people who have done it and people who teach it and have their masters and doctorates and everything, right? this is not something that is taught there, and I and I do think it's a, sh- a shortfall. And so we are all learning. That's that's the other aspect of this. Just because there is a given five and the yeah, expectation, we haven't of, been doing this forever. No, we're all still learning no. how to do it well, yeah. right? And so there's going to be some shortcomings, and there's not always going to be perfect. But just so that you know, this is the goal, yeah. uh, ultimately. All right. Thank you, Father Brandon. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being with us on this episode of Raising His Lions. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Raising His Lions with Father Jaden Nelson. A special thank you to our lion parents, our partners in raising lions with inspired minds, faithful hearts, and lives of virtue. Visit us online at bishopryan.com.